You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The honeymoon period is officially over for Antonio Conte. Spurs are languishing, and the Italian true to form is frustrated about transfers. And as if things couldn't get any worse, the North Londoners face an all-conquering Man City next. I'm here with Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, James Bench to discuss Tottenham's never-ending woes and the rest of the weekend's big European fixtures. Kigo Lasso weekend preview begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kegolazo. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Kegolazo pod on Twitter, YouTube, and anywhere else you listen to your pods. I'm going to greet everybody by the timing of when they arrived. Jimmy Conrad, how are you, buddy? <laughs> I was first. Yes. Suck <laughs> yes. bench happens. and Heath. I love it. Yes. <laughs> that never that happens, Jimmy. Never that happens. Never happens. <laughs> I'm very excited to be first. Thank you so much. James Bench was second. JB, what's up? Sorry, my mind's completely. I think I'm so shocked by having been beaten by Jimmy to a podcast <laughs> that my mind is just completely blank. You um, went blank because you you came second to Jimmy Conrad arriving, James Bench. Humiliation for me, but silver medal, I'll take it. Yeah, it's silver medal, but guess who gets the bronze? And he's so lucky, Hollywood Heath, that he's Hollywood Heath coming in last. How are you, HP? Actually, I'm a little, you know, offended by the fact that we're we're just outing everybody for their arrival times. <laughs> I would love to have uh-huh. producer Des maybe uh-huh. cut this out, talk to HR about the fact. What are you going to do? Like track my bathroom breaks uh-huh, next, uh-huh. and uh, you know when I do my lunches and kind uh-huh, of uh-huh. that sort of thing. That's I mean, what, that's what that's feels, just somebody whoever gets bronze is that that's what they say when they get bronze. Hey. Yeah, this just it just feels a little invasive. That's all. <laughs> hey, li- hey, listen to me. 80% of success is showing up. All right. So, you know, you're at a 55% Heath Pierce right now. All right. So, uh, and I guess we can't blame the West Coasters as well because it is pretty early as well. <laughs> Des yeah. Norris on the private chat. I'm not even going to mention that. My goodness, the fire right now. HP, don't leave us, please. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah. No one's going <laughs> to, no one's going to laugh when James and Jimmy and I unionize for this podcast. <laughs> so. And you know what? I'm not here next week. So I, I I'm kind of worried now. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Let's move on. Kego Lasso weekend preview. Jimmy Conrad, James Bench, Heath Pierce here to break everything down as we look ahead to the weekend. It's been a busy week, of course, European action, so forth. Uh, Let's begin in the Premier League, as we talked about with Antonio Conte and Tottenham. They are facing the Goliath, uh, the monster in the closet, as I mentioned this week, Manchester City. And Antonio Conte has already vented his frustration, saying Tottenham are weaker now than before January. I feel a 1% possibility to finish fourth. I like that quote, Jimmy Conrad. What say you about, first <laughs> no. of all, Tottenham, the honeymoon's By the way, is over. James, James and I both like that quote as well <laughs> on personal levels. Yeah. You like I, it? I, 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 what I love is there's more to these quotes. Uh, he, he goes on and he also said, we lost four players, four important players, and we only brought in two. So now we got Mr. Math Major Antonio Conte then saying, so even just in number terms of numbers, rather than reinforce the squad, we on paper, May have weakened it. No, no, it gets worse. It gets worse. He then says, Bentecur and Kulisevsky are ideal prospects for Tottenham because Tottenham are seeking young players that can develop and grow. Not players who are ready. That is the issue. I'm going to skip the part. He's going to say at the end, I have now realized that this is the vision of the club is developing younger players, not players with a lot of experience. What the hell? He just realized that right now that that's the vision of... What is this I mean, is Gary Mourinho, Jimmy Conrad, isn't it? I don't. I just Mourinho's smiling from like ear to ear right now, hearing this bullshit from Antonio Conte. I I I marvel at these quotes, and and I think it's because he's trying to prepare himself for losing four league games for the first time in his career. Because there's no way this Tottenham team, even with a week to prepare, when Conte was pretty good doing that with Inter Milan last season, I just don't think it's going to be enough to beat this Man City team at that Etihad. Yeah, I mean. I, I think Jimmy hits the nail on the head race. It says, what did you think you were coming into? <laughs> Everything that Tottenham have done for the past few years has been about rebalancing the age profile of this squad, letting go of, you know, Alderweireld and Vertonghen. I bet they're players that, that Conte would have really enjoyed working with. And I'm sure he's looking at Davinson Sanchez and going, is this your guy? You know, and obviously it hasn't helped him that Romero's been, been injured. He's, he's going to get a, a thrashing 
I think, uh, at the weekend. You know, that, but but it, it, this idea that he has no agency in this whatsoever, and LME, you and I spoke about this on the, the Champions League show last night. You know, the players, the four players that have left, Tangi and Dombele, Deli Ali, uh, Giovanni Lo Celso, all players that he was happy, he signed off on the moves. I mean, Lo yeah. Celso in particular, yeah. he was part of the Tottenham squad. You know, he was, he wasn't starting every week, but he was coming off the bench. I thought he might be someone that Conte tried to do what he did with Christian Eriksen at Inter, where he tried to turn him into the playmaker he wanted. No, straight to Villarreal on a, on a loan with, with very underwhelming conditions for Tottenham. Like the only thing I'd say is he says it's a 1% chance. Just looking at 538 here, they have it as a 13% chance of top four. So what are you worrying about Antonio? It's, you know, less than Man United, less than Arsenal, less than Chelsea, about the same as West Ham. I hope you're looking forward to conference league. Yeah. I'm imagining James Bench before HB jumps in that you're like also thinking from an Arsenal perspective, like complaining about transfers and everything. Arsenal just did a lot of exits in January. He, they didn't expect any incomes and they're not complaining as much does that does that venture your thoughts well, well their fans are um yeah, and i think Mikel arteta was was quite disappointed but but i mean both of those teams are doing similar things and in similar positions where they they have spent a lot of money in wages and in, in transfer fees on players that haven't worked out and you just have to get them off the books and you know whether it's Ndombele or Abamyang, you can't make good deals to get a high earning Premier League player off your books. You just have to try and find someone somewhere that's willing to to help you out on their wages. So yeah, Conte can't be taken by surprise that he didn't get that much money to reinforce. I think the frustration is that Adama Traore turned them down, Luis Diaz turned them down, striker in non-league that turned them down. Like there was a desire to do a lot of business, but it a lot of it didn't really happen. And you kind of end up with the, the bargain bin of Juventus. I know he said they're good players, but I think he knows they're not going to put any team over the top in a, in a top four race. Yeah, I just wonder who was going to come in and be ready for the amount of money that they were going to spend in his eyes, right? Like Kulusevski, how, how far from ready can somebody be that plays regularly in Syria for, for one of the biggest clubs, you know, in terms of who do you, like, who do you want? The players that go out, obviously, as Ben mentioned, he signed off on those players leaving. Those are players that were sort of, underwhelming and people had sort of tried to get them back and tried to sort of build something out of them. And, and some of them were, were doing okay, but I just don't, it just sounds like excuses as Jimmy mentioned, especially when Jimmy says it, it sounds a lot worse, you know, Jimmy adds that little, just a little bit of cynical nature to the, to the quotes of, of whatever. I mean, he's just, I, I think about content. I'm like, this guy's distraught. And, and, but what, what did you expect? Right. Mm. Even, even if you got the things that you wanted, there's still bigger things at play, like Ben just mentioned. With you're getting rid of uh, some of your high earners. There's, there's. It's not just players go in, players come out. Like there is a shift that's happening. There's a uh, a necessity to clean things up. That's not just about like at like a revolving door of you know swapping players in and out. That's that's bigger than than just the results they're in. And by the way, they never won at the Etihad, and and they've conceded two goals in each of their last four league matches. They are not going to win this game, and. Having these comments always is always a peculiar thing to me just because I, I don't know the timing around these comments. If those help, if those are motivators, if I, I've played on teams where you you rally despite the, the coach, like you, you say, hey, let's let's prove at least to ourselves that we're better than this, this person over here. Or you just crumble. There's only two ways that it really goes, but it certainly doesn't make everybody go into the room being like, hey, hey, uh, Skipper, you're right, man. You're you're you got a one percent. Yeah. Especially you know, like, the, the players that just came in, Heath Pierce. I mean, they they're just getting used to like uh, the the facilities, whatever. And suddenly they're hearing, yeah, they're, they're, there's not that much faith coming from the manager that's in charge of them. It's kind of weird. It's just like, what is ready? Uh, I mean, yeah. I, uh, is it if they finish top four, were those players ready? I mean, what it, is it an XG thing? Is it them looking at statistics and saying like, oh, we brought them in based on the data, and therefore they should be having, you know two assists each by now or you know all these things i'm just not sure it's just it's such a subjective uh response of, of throwing those players as the excuses as like oh integration and time and we lost a bunch of things that we never really had recently and just kind of like looking for reasons to 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 yeah make excuses for this 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 club well i'm gonna jump in too and say that conte took charge of tottenham on november 2nd and he had them on a nine game unbeaten run in the premier league so it's not like he just inherited this team during the transfer window. He knew who he had, and he made, as everybody said, he signed off on these signings. 
And now I think he's realizing maybe I made a mistake. Maybe we needed to keep some of those guys. And I can tell you, and we've all coached a little bit or whatever it may be, or we support a team where you can see the game plan is working, you know, excellently. And then, and then all of a sudden you got Davinson Sanchez makes some mistake, you know, uh, Davies can't clear a ball and all of a sudden it's in the back of your net. Hugo Lloris decides to have his worst game of the season. And, and you're like, it doesn't, like my game plan just didn't matter if my guys can't show up and execute, especially the ones that you count on to be seven and eights out of 10 every single game. So I think they're running into that time of the year. And unfortunately, Man City are humming, uh, as you mentioned at the top LME. They had their 1-1 draw against Southampton. And since then, they've won four straight. They've only conceded once during that. They failed to win just two of their last 21 matches in all competitions. They've won their last seven at home. We just saw what they did to Sporting Club de Portugal in the Champions League. I mean, this is a team that's looking to get into peak form. If they're not already there, I don't, I don't see how Tottenham are going to slow them down at all. So, hey, with, go ahead. I just wanted to throw this in the middle of all that, Jimmy. Is what's worse than Conte saying one percent are the are the odds of Tottenham winning in this game at <laughs> plus one thousand? One thousand, dude. So, <laughs> It's crazy. So, I went on to want to play it. A th- plus 1,000 for Spurs to win straight up. That's that's insulting for a team that's looking to get into the top four and have games in hand to potentially make that happen. Yeah, That is crazy. So basically what I want to throw out there to all of you that are here with me and then everybody listening and or watching, do you think Tottenham going to score? Because we all believe that Man City is going to win. If you think Man City are going to win and both teams will score, it's plus 190. That's pretty decent, all things considered, especially with that plus 1,000 uh, dangling out there. But if you think that Man City will win to and get a clean sheet, that is uh, just plus 100. So it's not as fun. But uh, those are the two I'm kind of looking at. Raheem Sterling's on fire, and he's a confidence guy. Him to score anytime is plus 120, something to look at. Him to score first gets a little more exciting at plus 400. All right, quick score predictions, Jimmy. What do you I'll think? go 3-1. I'll go 3-1 City. James Bench? Yeah, I'm with Jimmy. In fact, that, that same scoreline. Actually, the one thing I would say in, in Conte's defense is he started getting – Tottenham in a position where Harry Kane was getting a lot of shots a few weeks ago and he's still getting a few so yeah 3-1 but it wouldn't shock me if that one is after City have already scored three HP? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say similarly but but 2-1 and and sort of same thing controlling of a 2-0 result but ends in 2-1 yeah, Tottenham is scoring this here, but I think it's going to be like 4-1. Uh, just Man City are just so good. They've lost just one of their last 11 home league games against Tottenham, going down 2-1 in February back in 2016. So to Jimmy's point, I just don't see it. But any other way. Hey, here, hey, everybody, Tottenham fans, are you ready? Are you ready? You should have sold Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah, it's a big conversation to have for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they should have. And then you can say, hey, we lost something and didn't get it back. Like that, that's that's a legitimate one, but you don't get to like get rid of three sort of perennial underperformers no, and you sell like, oh. Harry Kane and you have a clearer picture in the summer. I just think that that's it. Come on, James Bench. See, I, I in general, I sort of agree with this, but I don't actually I think if you look at what Kane has been doing for Spurs for so long, you have one of the best goal scorers in the league, a player who does all the creative work for Tottenham as well. You know, a emotional leader, the guy that takes all the penalties. That's fine, James, but they're eighth. That doesn't mean anything. For 150 million, you would not have got better. You would not have created a better team off what you got back from City for Harry Kane. I'm just saying that there's two conversations here. One, how good Harry Kane is for Tottenham and how good Tottenham is. And the most important Mm. one is the latter one, I think. Tottenham Put some respect on Roberto Soldado's name. They would have brought him back and he would have banged in 10 to 15, Bench. Come on, man. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, let's move on because we could talk about this forever. But we're staying in the Premier League. Leeds United. Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds United against Manchester United. These games are usually fun, fun, fun. Two desperate teams, by the way. But, you know, in the middle of all this Champions League action, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes, Manchester United did beat Brighton. Man United are now fourth right now. Obviously, uh, they overtook West Ham, by the way, uh, same hand. But Arsenal do have three games in hand as well. And now they're facing Bielsa's side, you know, and his future uh, a little bit up in the air. Uh, Jesse Marsh reportedly the top candidate to replace the Argentinian. I don't know. I think where. that's happening. I think it's happening. I think you it's going to happen. So? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got, uh, I, I think there's a high percentage Whoa. that happens. It sounds like we're about to the word sources. We got, keep uh, keep going, Heath. Heath Piercio Romano over yeah. there. He, Heath <laughs> Romano, let's talk. I don't know. Hey guys, listen, uh, Brendan Aronson to Leeds, you know. I like that. Uh, RB I like Salzburg that. and then RB Leipzig guy. I don't know. There's something happening over there. Uh, we should He's talk about it. He's sticking this all uh, in the chat, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, listen. Chat. 
Yeah, listen, I I think it's happening. You know, just, well, listen, just... well, I mean, whether it happens or not, one thing is for certain. Marcelo Bielsa never commits anything longer than a year. I feel that maybe he's done his duties for Leeds United, taking them back to the Premier League. Who knows? But regardless, Leeds United are 15th, 23 points. It's not that far away from the relegation zone, but, you know, they, they are showing some life, but they're facing a Manchester United side uh, who, who are obviously vulnerable. James Bench, let's begin with you. How do you see this game? Well, I mean, historically, as in since Leeds have come back from the Premier League, they've been a perfect opponent for Man United, who just love running through teams that leave them a lot of space and kind of don't require um, structured breakdown play, just run really fast and run past them. I'm kind of, you know, I saw Leeds a few a few days ago, a week and a bit ago against Villa, and you almost saw the same thing, where if a player like Jacob Ramsey could beat his man, then Leeds one-on-one defending just becomes a real a real struggle for them. So mm. it's hard not to sort of say that the individual talent of United will out here. I guess the one thing is we've not kind of seen how Ralph Ranić deals with with this style, and you know because his his United are trying to be a bit more methodical, trying to be a bit more, you know, they don't really press at all. They, they try and have something like a game plan, which. It's a great idea in principle, but I think for a derby game against Leeds, a big rivalry, I think chaos and energy can be really valuable. I still have United kind of winning this quite comfortably because oh, okay. it's just a good matchup for them. But I wonder if if it being more tactical from Rangnick maybe might help Leeds a bit. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'd add is, and I agree, I think I think uh, United win this one comfortably. Is I was reading some of these fan blogs and... the it seems like the test uh, of comparing Runyuk to Solskjaer is like, yeah, well, at least Ole can beat Leeds. And so can he beat like, and comfortably, like they could run through Leeds. And so this is, this seems to be the test of like, how does he compare uh, in one single match? But, you know, Leeds are, are, are really inconsistent, right? You talk about the, the high highs of, of, of Villa. Uh, and then you, the low lows of Everton just after, it just seems like that inconsistency knows, no bounds and Man United seem to have it a little bit better, but same thing. Man United have those same ebb and flows, but in a single game where they have a really bad half and then uh, they have a good half and, or at least a better half. And so uh, I still think Man United are the better team and should win this game. And knowing that they're they're within sniffing distance of of even though they are in fourth, like to stay in that conversation, they have to win matches like these. So I think it's a comfortable win for for Man United. Yeah, I would say very quickly that the the games that Manchester United ran through Leeds were both at Old Trafford. You know, it was six to two, one game, five on the other. And the other reverse fixture at Ellen Road was zero zero. Not to say we're going to see an Ellen Road uh, or a zero zero in this one this time around. And I don't think we will, given Leeds' up and down yo yo type season. And I heard Ernesto Valverde might be another candidate uh, that Leeds is considering. I don't know. He wow. seems to have more information no. than me. But, but <laughs> I would say that Jesse Marsh would be more of a seamless transition into Jesse Marsh or from, from Bielsa's style into Jesse Marsh, who also plays you know, high pressing and wants to get after it type of style and keep the ball when they can and whatever. Now, with regard to, I was going to say whatever. That's just like a bigger conversation. I just can't believe you whatever to style a play. I did, I did. Okay. I, no, well, it's because I think everybody has it down, hopefully. Yeah. But with regard to Manchester United, they also have to balance playing against Atletico Madrid midweek. And and yeah, I wonder true. how Ralph Rangnick is going to bring that into the conversation. I think it's clear he doesn't necessarily trust rolling out Ronaldo for 90 minutes every single game this season. And where does he commit him? Does he commit him in this game against Leeds? Or does he wait to, to go down to Spain and try to get him to play 90 minutes against Atleti? That is what my guess is. So I'm kind of curious as to which lineup he's going to go with in this particular uh, fixture. And 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 if he he loves, I think he's learned quite quickly, you got to have to, this team just works better with McTominay and Fred in the double pivot, much to the chagrin, I think, of about 99% of Manchester United fans. But if that's what your system's built around in some ways and everybody feels comfortable in that, then why get away from it? So I'm kind of curious to see what they do against Leeds and then how they try to pivot to, to Atleti. Not only do they have Atleti twice over the next couple of weeks, they got Man City, Tottenham, and Liverpool coming up as well. And I think it's going to be really important for Rangnick to solidify what that style is, get everybody to buy into that, and obviously you got to pick the right players to go out there and execute, which has been a bit of a trick. For, for a couple managers at Manchester United. In recent Very years. quick on these tips there, Jimmy, because I like the draw here, plus 285. I mean, listen, Leeds United have won just one of their last 16 games against United. That was uh, at Ellen Road, one nothing in 2002. Jermaine Beckford. Yeah, that's right. So what do you yeah, think? I mean, I, I guess this is one of those where I would honestly, if, I'm a, if I really want to bet this game, I would look at the starting lineups 
and just kind of take a glimpse at, at what Rangnick's looking at and what he's looking to do. The draw is not a bad shout, but I, I lean with the other guys. I think Man United, I don't know if they're going to win comfortably. They don't seem to win comfortably very often this season. I, I could I could see maybe like a 1-0 squeaking it out. And, you know, it's a penalty for Pinaldo, and he, he hopefully he makes it this time. <laughs> uh, bench, a uh, quick score prediction? Uh, I think this would be 3-2. I think it'll be a fun oh, game. 3-2 um, to yeah. United. Uh, yeah. All right. Hollywood? Bet on the goals. Yeah, I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, I, I actually like James Bench 3-2. Obviously, in eight of the last nine matches for, for, for Leeds, they've, they've, there's been two and a half goals scored. So I like the 3-2. Let's just go with big goals, lots of fun. Everybody wins. All right. Uh, I guess I'll go with goals, but I'm going to be boring. I'll do two all draw, I think, in this one. Uh, you know, something to that effect. All right, let's uh, keep going here. Crystal Palace against the world champions, the world club. Cup, they've won everything. Chelsea, uh, Mason Mount, he's injured. Is, is, is this it? Is this it, Heath Pierce? Christian Pulisic, is this this time to shine against Patrick Vieira's Crystal Palace? Uh, yes. Was that convincing or no? Uh, uh, I mean, which, just I mean, like Pulisic's performance. No, it wasn't. Yeah, and, and and I'll make yeah exactly. I make I'll make this quick. And Jimmy and I've talked about this a lot on on the USMNT hour of just Pulisic in general. Of like, are we seeing his best? And is his best consistent enough to be a consistent starter at at a club like this? I think this is his opportunity. These are always opportunities. He's going to have to see it as that. Um, and and you're playing against a a very inconsistent Crystal Palace side that loves to draw. Um, and are comfortable with 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 trying to take you to a draw. And so it, it'll be interesting if he gets the time to, to try to break down a, a, a somewhat stingy defense um, and, and make a case for himself as a starter. I think it, so obviously kind of like we were saying with Ronaldo, Pulisic has, you know, the advantage that there are two important games in quick succession. Chelsea kind of, because they've been out of Premier League action for a while, they could do with bumping up that points tally, just making sure they've not got any worries about the ch- chasing pack in, in fourth and on, onwards. Um, so I think this, I mean, this could be a really good game for him to play because Palace are, not the best defensively on their, their right-hand flank. Whoever plays in front of Joel Ward, they're playing in front of Joel Ward, who is um, <laughs> he's solid. I really like him as an industrious pro, but when I He is that, his last... name, isn't he, Bench? Yeah. He is his name. Like I always Joel wanted Ward. to be called an industrious pro. Uh, <laughs> just so you know, of like in all of all the terms of endearment, that's what the one that I didn't get called that I wish I I just would've. think you, you, you hear the name Joe Ward and you see him and you're like, okay, yeah, you're a Joe Ward. Yeah. He, um, I, I, so I really, I like a player like that. And I got, yeah. I, I was at Brentford Palace last weekend and, and said, I quite like what Joel Ward is doing. It's quite ego-free football. I got absolutely slaughtered by Palace fans. Right? They were, they were not having that. Cause I think, you know, when he's in your team, you go, God, we could have a better player than this. Um, but yeah, this could be a good game for Pulisic. It could be a good game for Chelsea. But I, I wouldn't take Palace lightly. They, they create good chances. They've got a lot of dangerous players going forward. Um, Maybe they won't miss Conor Gallagher as much as they would have a few months ago because he's kind of gone off the boil a little bit. Um, I expect them to then maybe just have more of a traditional three-man midfield, clogging up the gaps and uh, try and hit them on the break with uh, with Zaha and company. Could be a good yeah, game. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good game as well. I think Patrick Vieira is going to have something up his sleeve. I think not having Conor Gallagher as an option um, because he can't play against his parent club does hurt a little bit just in terms of having some diversity in attack, having different ideas, even if he came off the bench as a sub. With regard to Chelsea, I actually think they're going to benefit from leaving the bubble of the Premier League and just the the pressure and going down to a warmer climate and enjoying themselves and, and becoming world champions and, and accomplishing something they hadn't done yet as a club. I think they're going to come back with a little bit of confidence. So I like Chelsea in this match because they've got out of the suck, the grind a little bit, and now they're going to enter back into it with uh, their chests puffed high. And, and Lukaku in particular toward, scored two straight goals in the FIFA Club World Cup. I think mm. he's going to get the start. I fear, though, that, that Pulisic isn't going to start. I, I bet you we see Kai Havertz. I think we're going to see I mean, they play enjoy. Lille in the Champions League uh, next week. So who they is do. it that you roll? Where do you roll Pulisic? Or where do you roll your best team out? Which of these two games, I guess? Uh, I, I honestly think, well, the, the Lille game's at home, if I'm not mistaken, correct? So yeah. if it's the Sanford Bridge, then I don't know. They're not having to travel too much. Not that France is too far, but. I don't know. I, I, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I, I mean, think you're not you forgetting, get by the way, Jimmy, as you continue to say that uh, Chelsea, are, you know, they're third, but United is, you know, only four points behind. They have a game in hand, so you know, they're not they're not completely secure on that third spot. No, that's true. That's true. No, I think I think you try to put out a team that maybe isn't your top top team, but close to it. Suppose it could get a run out. 
I'm just saying for all of us U.S. Men's National Team fans, I think we're going to get disappointed when he comes on as a super sub yet yet again. With regard to bets, you know, a good bet anytime Thomas Tuchel's coaching a team is his team to win in under two and a half goals. I'm looking at that. I can see a nice 1-0, 2-0 win. Uh, Crystal Palace have really struggled against Chelsea uh, historically, or at least in the recent years. They've won six, I think, out of last six at Chelsea. So I'm going to go Chelsea to win in under two and a half goals plus 250. I'll say 2-0. It's 1-0 for a long time. Then they catch one when Crystal Palace has to extend themselves to try to get back into it, and they catch one at the end. All right. Heath Pierce, uh, score prediction? Uh, I'm going to say 1-0 Chelsea. James Bench? 2-1 uh, Chelsea. 2-1. Well, listen, none of the last 21 Premier League uh, games between these two have ended in a draw. So uh, take that for what you will. I think I'm going with a also a slim Chelsea win. All right. The rest of the fixtures of the Premier League also include Wolves against Leicester. Bruno Lag, by the way, you know, making Wolverhampton very tough to beat. And they're getting wins to watch in, well. in the process. James, <laughs> very, very, yeah, that's true. I knew you. I knew that was coming. Hey, Bench, very quickly, though, is, is you know, I know I know what you're going to say, but top four, is it too, too difficult for Wolves, do you think? They don't score enough goals, really. Although, you know, Jimenez is starting to turn around into a bit of form and obviously totally understandable why he's not back to his best. So if that side of it can click. And the one thing I would say is, start of this season, they were getting no points and playing fantastic attack-minded, fearless football. And obviously Bruno Lage has sort of gone, let's kind of scale it back. And I think his view and what he said before is, you know, you want to set those foundations and go from there. So, you know, I would have them strong outsiders for a top four, like behind West Ham, behind Spurs. But I wouldn't rule it out. Like, you know, they can get on a run of games. They were they were tough against Arsenal when I saw them a few few days ago. So, yeah, ruling nothing out there. Yeah, I, I'd jump in and say really quickly about Wolves. Only given up 17 goals in 23 games. That's second best in the league, only behind mm. Man City. have only given up 14. A game I'd be watching, West Ham versus Newcastle. My Newcastle have won three straight. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Crying tears of excitement, also known as oil tears. And this is going to be a real test for them, obviously, going to the London Stadium and trying to get a result against a team that is pushing for top four as well and playing in the Europa League and and just has a lot going for them. And uh, I'm curious to see which version of Newcastle shows up. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. But I also want to see Southampton-Everton for me is quite intriguing. Yeah, maybe, intriguing. maybe it wouldn't have been like two months ago. But right now, given how who's and huddle has gotten Southampton getting some results and Everton playing a little bit better under Frank Lampard, I'm curious to see who comes out on top of that one. Yeah, the only thing that I would add to that is going back to that, that the Wolves game of just the fact that they've talked about these guys have like apparently double sessions every day in video yeah. and meetings and then breakouts into individual group meetings. And that is really fun for a while when things are working. But when it's that much of a shock of going from like, you know, the casual like pregame video chat to these types of things that could take it. So having said that with with argument to a top four, as, as, as Benj mentioned, as an outsider, they did draw versus Chelsea. They beat United. They beat Spurs, obviously lost to 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 the Arsenal. But they, they are able to find ways to get results against some of these bigger teams and keep it close and, and grind those out. So there is an argument if they can continue to take those that you would usually suspect that they drop. You know, uh, again, I, I do think there's an issue in terms of scoring they, goals, so but there's something there. They play Arsenal midweek next week. So that yeah. will really, I think, kind of determine uh, uh, at the Emirates. So, and Arsenal is very good at home. So that one might make or break which one really has a legitimate chance of getting top four. Yeah, another oh, sneaky oh, saying, game Heath in the is, middle of the Champions League. Go ahead, Bench. Are you saying, Heath, that what's coming in the future for Bruno Lage's team is the this could have been an email moment? I mean, it's it's amazing to watch videos sometimes. And I know the technology. Apparently, he had like a classroom rebuilt into like a uh, a video center and he's got I his love that. screen and like and then he's teaching. What, he what is, Well, you know, it's like when you buy the new sort of, uh, you know, the new like baking thing. You're like, well, now I've got to use it all the time. And so now, you know, <laughs> because those things, those video touch boards, by the way, they cost like 100 grand. They're not like. Uh, I was asking somebody about it recently and they're like, I think they're close to a hundred thousand to have the, like the full technology with like the dots and the circles and all the TV like aspects that you could do with those video reviews. So now they're like, well, you know, what's the ROI on this? And he's like, well, don't you worry. You know, I, will get to, you know, I, I <laughs> three will times a day, three every times day. a day. Yeah. And then we're going to have, you know, after we have the big groups, we're going to have our breakout groups. So uh, make sure you look at the piece of paper in front of you to make sure you're following your group into the next uh, meeting. But yeah, that can be, exhausting but it seems to be working having that type of control for now 
Bruno, this could have been an email large. I like it. Uh, <laughs> all right, we're going to take a break. The only thing I'm going to say is, please, Villa, beat Watford at home. Are you joking? All right, we're going to take a break. That's it. When we come back, Serie A, La Liga, Bundesliga, of course, and final thoughts. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, James Bench, LME, Kegelas, a week in preview. We'll be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back, everybody, to Kegolasso Weekend Preview. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, James Bench. Let's go to Italy, Italia, Serie A, where you can watch exclusively on Paramount Plus. Get that seven-day free trial, of course. Heath Pierce, let's begin with you. The first game of the weekend is Juventus against Torino. Obviously, we didn't see them in the Champions League this week, but uh, excitement around Juve, of course, Dusan Blaovic, etc., how do you see this game? And also, you know, their massive objective now to, you know, remain, stay in a Champions League spot. Yeah, I think that all started or or at least was proven in their ability to keep fighting for that spot with the draw against Napoli. I, I think heading into this one and the fact that they've got Champions League next week, you could actually go with a full strength squad for both of these matches, which I think they will do, knowing that when you come out of the back end, you have Napoli. I mean, not Ap Napoli, Impoli. Uh, which is a very different opponent than Napoli. Uh, and so that's where I think you have your opportunity when you're when you're sort of building out, like, where can we take our chances to play our full-strength squad? That's where I see them uh, really being able to, to kind of roll out a, a tough team. A lot of times we talk about, you know, rotation and things like that. But if any time that you can build a run of form and consistency with your lineup going into a bigger game, I think that's always a plus. And this is one where I could see them, obviously, one, getting a result for sure. I think they win this one. Uh, but but also rolling out a very similar lineup going into the Champions League, knowing that they've got a little bit of a, a window for, for rotation coming up after that. Yeah, those are good points from Heath. I would add that I think they're trying to figure out what their best formation is because prior to Chiesa getting hurt, they were starting to settle into a nice 4-2-3-1. Mm -hmm. Then when Chiesa came out, they made some January transfer window, big signings, obviously. It really kind of changed, and I think they morphed into more of a 4-3-3. Well, Zacharia... I think he fits better and a little bit closer to the six or in a double pivot, but he had him out wide a little bit more, and I don't think it worked. And in this particular game last week against uh, Sassuolo, no, excuse me, against Atalanta, they didn't even start Zacharia. They had they had uh, Locatelli kind of sitting in the six and Rabio and McKinney on either side of him. And I feel like they just move better with a double pivot. So you got to have Zacharia next to Locatelli. They both benefit from that. And then you got to figure out who that third midfielder is. I would prefer McKinney, of course, over Rabio. Their front three, though, looks settled. Morata's looked very good since Vlahovic has shown up. Uh, Dybala seems to have settled in right off of his shoulder. And Vlahovic is a really a, prop, a good proper number nine. And he's made such a big difference just in terms of, I think, their belief going forward that, hey, every time we go and start an attack, we might score this one. Whereas before it felt like, I hope we score this one. And there's a really yeah. a, a significant difference there when you, when you kind of have a, a certain type of purpose when you're running forward. Hey, by the way, real quick. Sorry, James. Uh, I, I said Napoli when I meant Atalanta earlier in terms of grinding out the, the result for... for oh, uh, Hollywood. How player. dare you? We'll never fly that you. before, you know, somebody like starts, you know... <laughs> what a pundit. Yeah, <laughs> throwing things. I just needed to clean that up real quick. Need to clean up <laughs> at least one piece of trash that I've said so far today. <laughs> yeah. 
apologies to the people of Bergamo for my colleague. Yeah, that could have been an email, Heath. I mean, going back to what Jimmy was saying, I think when you sort of read the Italian press and the, the Turin media, I, the, the, the transfer window, whatever you think of Lajovic and Zakaria, I think they're both good players. I don't necessarily think they're going to be world beaters in a Juventus shirt. But what it does is it just it offered a bit of impetus to the place. And I really like kind of where Juventus are heading. And I know a few months ago I was coming on these and consistently saying, look, you know, these they're getting the results they deserve by their underlying numbers and all that. Since they lost to Atalanta back in late November, um, they've tightened up defensively enormously, even though they haven't necessarily had Chiellini and Bonucci week in, week out. They're down to 0.8 XG allowed per game. The midfield is it's kind of settled into a role that's prosaic. Like it, you're not going to confuse this with Pogba and Pirlo and Vidal, but it just it gets stuff done. And like Jimmy said, I think that that if you've got the the top of the pitch just clicking into gear, people know what they're doing at the back. Then sometimes all you need is a midfield that just keeps it moving, that doesn't do anything too flashy, that's full of good, not great players. So so I really like them, and I'll kind of be watching this game a little bit behind my sofa because doing the pre-round uh, of 16 predictions, I, I went mad and said Juve might reach the semi-finals. Wow. So I need Juve to keep this form up, please. Otherwise, yeah. I'm not looking <laughs> But you did say something there, James. Vlaovic is not a world beater, you don't, you don't think? No. Yeah, like, wow. he's, 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 he's bullied bad teams in Serie A and taken a lot of penalties. Wow. He's good. He's good. But, you know, when particularly when Arsenal were being linked with him, I was watching his stuff going, this isn't a seventy-five million pound striker. He's not that Ooh, good. Interesting. Well, I can't, can't wait. wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to show this to Kristen Cooper. I can't wait for her to be all over. All well, over. going to uh, clip this up, isn't he? When Vlaovic scores a, a hat trick. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Well, it's and it's his first Turin derby, uh, which I think is uh, you know something of of note. Even though Juventus control this from start to finish i think the last time uh trina won was back in 2005 or something yeah. like that so it's completely owned one-sided but at least you know in terms of when it comes to local uh local rivalries darbries i think this will be i can't hey. wait till i can't wait till serbia beats england in the world cup because vlahovic <laughs> vlahovic and mitrovic just hey, dun- by the dunked way, on the dunked on Harry Maguire. by the way <laughs> jimmy and heath uh, what do you think about the prosaic uh weston mckinney are you are you impressed by that or uh, what, what do you make Go ahead, Look yeah. at that silence. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, tumbleweed. It's, Just go. You know what? Mustin McKinney continues to prove people wrong, and and uh, we'll keep adding names to the list. So it's, I, it's yeah. all good. Uh, I love it. Kicking butt and taking names. <laughs> America. <laughs> yeah, he just needs to show up. That's the only thing. Juventus yeah. have found a net in each of their last 21 games against Torino, so expect goals in this one. All right, let's move on. By the way, because we got Fiorentina. Atalanta, Inter against Sexy Sassuolo. James Bench, let's start with you. Fiorentina, Atalanta is a good one as well. And Inter, of course, who just lost to Liverpool against Sassuolo. Uh, What do you make? Anything from those games? Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see how Inter react to the game we were talking about last night, the Liverpool game, because... You know, everyone around them was sort of saying, we're taking a lot of positives from this game. And, And I think they should, even though it was... One of those strange games where Allison didn't have a save to make, but I thought Inter were the better team. They had a great game plan. Um, mm. You know, I watched the game back after clips back after we did the podcast, and they were really testing their opposition. So I think they will look at this as like, you know, we're back on a, on home turf. We're we're back in the in Serie A. Let's let's show these teams that we mean business, and let's you know kind of take out some of our frustration on Sassuolo and looking at those. Those odds there, I'd be uh, I'd be putting some money on a on a chunky Inter Milan win. I thought they were really good and against a, a team that wasn't at Liverpool's level, they might have won convincingly. Yeah, I, the only thing that, that I wanted to add on the Atalanta game is I was looking at the table and there's a bunch of teams on. Uh, I don't have it in front of me now, but a bunch of teams uh, on 12 wins in the league. And when I think about Atalanta playing Fiorentina. This is a difference of moments. Atalanta right now are giving up a lot of a lot of points uh, in the league recently, just in terms of their form. When I when I yeah. when I look at just in their last what is it seven not, nine games, two wins only, four draws, and three losses in that time. Pretty uncharacteristic of an Atalanta side, especially this time of year when they're fighting for that that Champions League spot. That when I look when I look down, I'm I'm looking at Atalanta, Lazio, Roma, Fiorentina, all on twelve wins apiece. Juventus just above them. That 
that's getting really thick and it's going to come down to these individual moments uh, of being able to grind out results, whether that's sticking with a point or being able to get three points. And I think this Fiorentina and Atalanta one is going to come down to perhaps a moment in the game that's, that could swing uh, either way. But there's certainly no comfort in that, in that fifth position right now in the league uh, between these teams. And Fiorentina, while you wouldn't really put them in the same category, are quietly going about their business to be able to potentially move into some of those, those higher spots in the league. Yeah, I jump in on that game. Uh, really quick because they just played against each other in the Coppa Italia and Fiorentina won that one three to two in Bergamo. So Atalanta, again, can't do the business at home. Two penalties for their new signing, Christoph Piontek, penalty merchant. Apparently that's what he's being called or that's what I'm calling him. Friend and of the show, friend of the show. Man. No, he must be really nice. I'm glad he's good at taking penalties. But I, I, <laughs> I'm glad he's good at taking penalties. <laughs> Not everybody is. Looking at you, Leo Messi and Christian. <laughs> man, that's number two behind being industrious. I, is like, I'm glad he's good at taking penalties. You guys are No, he's actually, he, listen, he's got big shoes to fill. They just lost Dusan Vlahovic. And, and there's probably going to be a bit of an emotional let off that you're kind of giving away one of your best players. And not to some other team in another league. You're giving them to Juventus of all teams. So that's got to be a little frustrating when that happens from time to time. Especially when they just sold Federico Chiesa not too long before that. So Fiorentina, clearly the farm team for Juve. But what I like about Atalanta, even though they've lost Yvonne Zapata, it looks like Luis Muriel isn't in best uh, relationship right now with Gasparini, the manager. They did sign uh, 18 million for $18 million from Sassuolo, Jeremy Boga, who uh, used to be for, for Chelsea. So another... Uh, former Chelsea player coming good. I, I really like his game a lot. He scored against Fiorentina midweek. And Adelanta basically gave that game away. And Adelanta are perfect away from home. Not perfect. They got nine wins and two draws. Zero losses away from home in Serie A. The best away team by a long, long way. And I think they're going to do the business and try to get some revenge here in Firenze. But uh, I also wanted to give a shout out to Roma versus Verona. They're both, uh, I think I have all have 12 wins as well. But uh, Roma has 40 points. Verona has 36. So... Mourinho's got to do the business at Stadio Olimpico to try to create some distance, as Heath was mentioning, between some of these teams that are all kind of stuck in the middle together. One interesting point that's kind of worth throwing in the mix at the end as well is just remembering how many of these teams in the in the title race and in the top four race are going to have Thursday commitments going forward or, you know, yeah. a lot mm -hmm, of European mm -hmm. games. We'll see, as we're, we're recording this before the Europa League, but Napoli have to play Barcelona. That's going to take a lot out of them. Also, you know, Atalanta in the Europa League, Roma in the Conference League and, and Lazio as well. This is it's heavy work um, at this stage of the season. You, you see... In, in so many years, in so many leagues, that kind of the team that at this stage can just focus on the league, it's often what swings like a title race. And maybe that's great news for Milan or, or a race for top four, which could suit Fiorentina down to a T. Yeah, this is what makes Serie A so intriguing, of course. And don't forget, Atalanta are fifth, but they have a game in hand uh, on Juventus and only two points under them. All right, let's go to Spain. La Liga. I Liga. There's a lot going on. As James Bench mentioned, we are taping this before the Maradona derby as Barcelona host Napoli, and they are visiting Valencia. There's also Athletic Club against Real Sociedad. Granada against Villarreal. By the way, watch out for our Arnaud Danjuma interview on YouTube. He's great. Jimmy, let's begin with you. La Liga. What say you, my friend? What are you looking for? Well, I'm obviously looking for a response from Atletico Madrid. I say this every goddamn podcast because they can't <laughs> seem to get it together as the reigning champions. Just losing to Levante. Uh, a couple days ago, midweek, uh, the Levante's bottom of the table. So thanks for that. Atleti, a bit of a dumpster fire. So kind of curious to see how they respond against Osasuna. Uh, Barcelona, of course, you know, this is being taped before the Napoli game. They're hosting that one. So I'm curious to see how he balances his lineup against the Valencia team that are going to be tough to beat. And then, of course, can Real Madrid, you know, how are they going to play against Alaves uh, and continue to try to create some space at the top of the table? But as Bench said about, about Serie A, same thing happens with La Liga. You got a lot of these teams that are competing. Uh, for the top four that are also competing in Europe. And, and not a lot of these teams have that much great depth. So I'm kind of curious to see how these managers balance all of it. I, I was a little shocked, Jimmy, when I, when I saw the Levante loss and I was like, yes, let's go, kind of like for controversy. And then I went back and looked at the table and I was like, oh, they're still in fifth, tied <laughs> with Barcelona in fourth and four points out of third. And like probably not going to finish second this year. But like, I know it's a dumpster fire for their standards, but it really they really are just a couple like one streak some uh, at some point for the rest of the season away from being able to secure that european slot which when you look at the results when you look at the way in which they're playing when you look how different it is traditionally this is usually when chaos sort of reigns supreme and they can fall to sixth seventh eighth place but the fact that they're still teetering on europe 
uh, gives them some hope and their ability to just sort of stay in Europe. Anytime that you can have a a, a crap year or a potential re, uh, rebuild year or something that's underwhelming but still qualify for Europe, I think could could be seen as a positive in the end, and they're still close to it. Yeah, the only thing I'll say is uh, I'm still got my hopes here for uh, Pellegrini and Real Betis, who are third, you know, trying to maintain those spots. But Sevilla, of course, trying to reclaim that throne from way, 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 way back. But La Liga, very intriguing indeed. All right, very quickly on the Bundesliga, by the way, Dortmund against Gladbach. Giorena is back, I believe, there. Heath Pierce. Can Joe Scali, by the way, reclaim his starting spot as well? What Any thoughts from here? Uh, I'm not sure about Joe Scali. I think he's caught up in in just the throes of being a young player in the Bundesliga on a team that's not performing or doing particularly well. We've si- we saw that with um, Josh Sargent at Bremen. We saw that also with Weston McKinney as Schalke were going through all their issues and then going down to the second division. That is not a great situation to be in. It's a great place for a young player, but it's not great when you're constantly not getting results that you're often in Germany, even though it is a young player league one that gets rotated quickly. So I don't know if he comes back in. I would love to see Gio Reyna, but I don't, I'm not sure if he's back either um, from, from what I was reading. Yeah, he's got a little bit of a sickness to go along with the longest hamstring injury of all time. Okay, I'm sorry. Know. I meant to say Gio Reyna is back. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think he'll get some minutes again. Uh, one of the games I'll be watching is Wolfsburg versus Hoffenheim. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you got John Brooks. For those that don't know, was named in the Bundesliga Team of the Week last week. So I'm kind of curious. Go. As John Brooks continues to to maybe continue to play at this level heading into this next window, do you, you want him, him in? Or and also that goes for Jordan Pifok at Young Boys, who's got 19 yep. goals and 31 games this season. Like these guys are starting to play at a level that all right, I mean, it's almost undeniable. So I'm kind of curious to see how he does against a team in Hoffenheim that has Chris Richards, who should be starting for them. So we got two uh, U.S. Men's National Team defenders going up against each other. Wolfsburg currently sit in 12th. They need this a little bit more than I think Hoffenheim does. That said, Hoffenheim are in fifth. You know, trying to, they're tied with RB Leipzig for that fourth spot. So there's still a lot for them to play for as well. So we're starting to get into that nitty gritty of this league as well. And I think that's where things start to get really fun. Ben, anything uh, in the Bundesliga? Yeah, I'm just looking forward to top against bottom because right now, I don't know what Bayern Munich are going to do, but I know it could be quite funny and quite exciting. Um, you know, part of me kind of thinks they're going to have a, a you know, take it out on the, you know, beat down on the bad team to, to make up for all their recent issues. But then we said that about Salzburg and it, it went yeah. quite badly wrong. So I'm intrigued as to, to, to how Nagelsmann kind of rebalances this team and gets something a bit that it looks a bit more solid against, uh, you know, against the team that they, they should beat comfortably. Or does he just keep going full on mad? I'll throw as many attackers on the pitch as I possibly can. <laughs> Yeah, well, they are obviously winless against Bayern Munich and have failed to score in three of these five matches, uh, three goals in total as well. All right, well, listen, yeah. I just wanted James Bench to say uh, top versus bottom one more time because it sounds so sweet and gentle (laughs) when he says it like that. Top versus bottom. <laughs> I don't know, man. Sorry, it just sounds a lot. It just sounds really nice when you say. It's like you know? that scene in Love Actually. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> it makes it makes a great greater for not seem like things are going so bad for them when you say bottom the way that you yeah. do. You know, like a scene guy. in Love Actually, <laughs> well, like Hugh Grant's character. Like, oh I'm no, the you. guy that comes over to America and everyone loves. His oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, that's right. He, he actually does say that, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah the guy from my family. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Hey, everybody, that's it. That's our week. Kent preview, Kego Lasso, James Bench, Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad. Before we say goodbye, final thoughts. Let's begin with you, James Bench. Any final thoughts? Anything that we haven't discussed? Yeah, I'd like Heath and I to get some credit for not really bringing up Arsenal very much. Yeah. I think <laughs> we deserve that. That's but um, I'm, I think it'll actually be a really interesting, important game for them. So I'm going to bring them up now. Yeah, um, see, I knew it. Brentford. You're getting no credit. Having said <laughs> that, one. <laughs> Four, lost four of their last five even. Um, obviously, it was a really tough time for them on the opening day of the season. But I think if they win this, top four is really, really within their hands. And uh, yeah. I think they'll be expecting other teams to drop points as they pick pick some up. So big day for Arsenal tomorrow. Also. Yes, can, can, good luck to them. And I think they'll be fine. I want to bring up the She Believes Cup, the U.S. Women's National Team getting back after it. Uh, they got uh, Iceland, New Zealand and Czech Republic are all playing in this tournament. They'll get to play against everybody and i think as we start to see this kind of new generation pushing through uh I, i'm excited to see which players are going to replace the big names like carly lloyd and and is it going to be trinity rodman uh, kat macario so 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 uh fun times i think for for the u.s women's national team 
Yeah, oddly, Jimmy, I had a call yesterday. Here's my humble brag of the day with Carly Lloyd. And it was just mm. weird to hear her be like, I don't know what I'm doing next. And yeah, it's weird yeah. to know that like she isn't fully occupied uh, with the team. But my my final thought is uh, San Etienne are on a three three matches on the bounce uh, wins and are now clawing their way out of the bottom. They play Strasbourg, who are somehow near the top. Uh, and so just an interesting one, obviously, you know, if anybody knows uh, who Bergerac Perigord is, beat Sonetian in the cup, uh, knocked them out of the cup. Sounds like a, a, a bottle of wine that you would drink. Yeah, but mm -hmm. it knocked, them, knocked them out of the cup. But Sonetian seem to be finally finding their form and may actually uh, find hope after all. But they have to play against uh, uh, PSG soon after that. So that might be the humbler. But yeah, just a game worth watching in terms of table implications. Miguel Trauco, baby. Peruvian left back. He plays for St. Etienne. All right. The only final thought I have is this is my... Uh, you know, uh, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm away next week. This gang right here are going to take care of everything. I haven't seen my sister in three years, right? I need a break. So, but I'll be back <laughs> at the end of next weekend. But by the way, MLS will return and next week. Uh, Jimmy, Heath, Bench, Jonathan Johnson, Fabrizio, plenty of guests will be covering Champions League for you. And we have a lot of great MLS content as well coming your way. USMNT hours, so much more. So thank you so much for being part of the family. We're nearly there to 10,000 subscribers on, on YouTube, by the way. I've actually, I've been saying that for like a month. Like, get on it, please. I want to, I want to keep on. Easy. Yeah, just, exactly. Just click the button. Click. Seriously, mm -hmm. just do it. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, brother. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. James Benjo, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Heath Pierce. Thanks, man. Hey, last note. Uh, it, oh, I just wanted to point out. Listen, I just wanted to point out. I find it a little. I find it a little absurd that that HR is approving your time off, but they're not. They're they're okay with you okay. outing me on the what start of the show. For, you know, for, uh, for, I gave them for, for being last. You know, I just want to point that out. You know, uh, I sent them fair. a case of Inca Cola and gave them some Peruvian guilt, and they were like, "All right, fine." Just, can, just accept the bronze medal, Heath Pierce. You got <laughs> the bronze. Buddy. Yeah. Get here early next time. Yeah, thanks yeah, for Heath. the trophy, guys. Yeah, just I be lucky you're not medal. fourth, Heath Pierce. All right, <laughs> thank you so much, everybody. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Asking James to say top versus bottom was an HR violation, says Dustin. <laughs> Have a good one. We'll see you next time. Enjoy the games this weekend. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You don't want to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.